This is Faith in Your Recovery. Welcome to the battle. When you're sick and tired of being sick and tired, we're here for you and with you. I'm your host, Randy Davis, former pastor, founder, and executive director of A Better Life, Brianna's Hope. We're a participant-driven, faith-based, compassion-filled support and recovery movement for those battling the battle with substance use disorder addiction. This, we're excited. This is episode six of Faith in Your Recovery, and we believe in the benefit of offering you all things recovery. We do that in an effect and with the, you know, with the hope and the plan that one of these times, one of these episodes is going to click with you in a way where your life's going to want to change, where you're going to seek a better life and a better way. So welcome to Faith in Your Recovery. I'm excited today to have a friend with me, Brian Blevins. I've known Brian, what, Brian, six years here? Five, yeah, six yep. years? It's uh, coming up on six years uh, here really shortly. Yeah, yeah, that's neat. And Brian has a friend, Dennis, with him. Welcome, Dennis. Uh, nice to be here. It's a miracle. <laughs> awesome. We're going to hear some of that miracle here in a little bit. We want to hear that story. And uh, we want you folks out there to know that there is hope beyond hope for you. There's, you know, there's opportunities and there's so many doors and ways you can make this journey back to recovery. But Brian, let's you and I just kind of hone in here together for a minute or two. Uh, I'm aware of a lot of your story, a lot of the struggle, the victory, and the joy of your life, and those good things that are going on now. But why don't you fill the folks in with just a few of those details of what it was like pre-recovery for you? Okay, so um, pre-recovery for me was, you know, it was just honestly a train wreck just waiting to happen. Uh, I think I started dibbling and dabbling in drugs and alcohol, 14, 15 years old, and, and it just really progressed, um, progressed to cocaine. Um, and then from, from cocaine, it went for, to prescription medication. And then from prescription medication, it went to uh, methamphetamine. And, and after methamphetamine, um, I landed uh, at heroin, which was the my drug of choice anyway so uh through through my past uh i i'm a four-time convicted drug felon so um multiple um felonies really the consequences and the total hopelessness and what that looked like really landed me in in recovery so the 24th of this month right here i'll be six years uh totally uh clean set free from drugs and alcohol so you know that's just a part of my journey and and it wasn't so much how i was raised because i was raised in a good home uh i knew right from wrong i was class president in high school i was most varsity letters so um addiction was not in my family uh how you know a lot of you know, people say, you know, it's it's inside of us. Well, it wasn't inside of of me and my family, so that's not my story. But um, on November twenty fourth, uh, two thousand fifteen, which was my father's birthday, and it was also um, Thanksgiving. I was arrested with uh, 15 grams of heroin, um, basically facing uh, 18 years in prison. They could have charged me with habitual um, drug felon and uh, ended up going to jail. And, and that's really where my road to recovery began and, and really where I, I, I met the Lord. Brian, as you go back, you were talking there about that length of time. How long were you into addiction, active addiction? Probably nearly uh, 25, 27 years. Can you in any way point back to that moment where you knew you were in over your head and that it had a hold of you and, uh, you know, 
almost made that submission to it, at least at that moment. So uh, for me, um, I would lie to myself and honestly say it didn't have a hold of me because, you know, I sold drugs as much as I did them. So, you know, I had stuff. I wasn't uh, sticking a needle in my arm and, you, you know, I snorted my drugs. So I always thought that I was in control you know, of, of what I did. So I would always justify everything with, I'm still employed. Uh, I have a house, I have a car, um, you know, so I really didn't look that I had a problem and it wasn't until I became addicted to heroin. Um, and that's when, you know, I, one time I stole my mom's credit card, um, because I was broke and, and, uh, had every intentions of paying this credit card back and, which is is silly and you know my mom and dad they they had caught me in, in doing that and they were going to send me to jail and and basically they gave me the option to go to rehab and that was in in 2013 so i think in 2013 i really really felt like you you know things were starting to get a little more heavier but when i hit opiates and i became physical dependent to the drugs that i was doing you know i couldn't stop because the the level of sickness that my body would go through you know uh vomiting diarrhea um cold chills just how horrible you would feel and it, it's like you had to to have that drug so you didn't feel so bad so you would almost do absolutely anything not to be sick i've heard that story i've <laughs> witnessed that battle and i i hope our folks just heard that from you uh, we're going to come back to you here in a few moments brian but before we do uh, go ahead and introduce me as well as our listeners to Dennis, your friend here, and then we'll have Dennis share some of that parallel from his life of what you just shared. All right. So uh, I introduce everyone to uh, my my good friend, um, Dennis Wise, and, and I met Dennis. So I'm a peer support specialist, and uh, I work in, in Grant County, uh, worked there for uh, nearly three years. Uh, it's been a part of my journey, and, and I found that helping other people definitely helps me in my recovery. So I, I work for Grant Blackford Mental Health, and we have a crisis uh, center at at uh, Grant Blackford Mental Health, and it's called Cornerstone. And Cornerstone is mental health if somebody wants to commit suicide, but it's also somewhat of a detox facility. So my first encounter with Dennis was probably, I don't know, three years ago, Dennis? Yes, I'd say about around there, yeah. And so kind of share that battle. kind of share that story of, of how we met. Okay. Well, um, I definitely was on methamphetamines i was shooting up uh, a couple grams a day and and i lost my mind you know i was ready to just give up and i was surrounded by i was seeing things hearing hearing voices and and so i decided to check myself in there instead of you know giving up something told me and i believe it was the lord brought brought me to that place and and i couldn't get out of my head that you know these these things were you know attacking me and i and i was just scared to death and i just lay in a bed and cover my head and i got a knock on the door and there was brian he came in and introduced himself and i told him what i was going through and for once for the first time you know some he told me you know though you know those things are real you know that it's 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 the lord working in your life you know trying to open your eyes and i believe that to this day you know and uh He's a great person ever since, and he's never given up on me, you know, no matter what I've done. He, you know, he's got the Lord in his heart, and, and he's doing right, and, and I, I trust in him, and I believe the Lord has put him in my life to to set me free of my addiction and my, and my demons. Dennis, tell us a little more of your history and your struggle with yeah. uh, with drugs. Some of those losses, some of those moments yeah. that you just spoke of being surreal. Oh yeah, uh, it's kind of a total opposite story, Brian. I, I grew up in a home uh, in Marion, Indiana, that 
my whole family were in uh, I was raised by a drug dealer and my grandfather he was an alcoholic and my mother she was you know a drug addict alcoholic and and I, it was just common you know it's just something that, that unfortunately I was probably bound to end up a part of you know and, and it's just and and I did you know eventually you know I fought it off for a long time when I was young I didn't really like drugs because I saw what it did to my family and uh, you know eventually I lost I only have like two family members left that from addiction and suicide I've lost basically my whole family and uh, and and that kind of sent me down the wrong road and but you know I don't, I'm not mad about that uh, to this you know at this day it's kind of an eye opener like maybe that was God has a plan for everyone you know and and you know I I had to go through all this pain and suffering to realize that there's a better way if there's bad there's good you know and um I, I the last two years i've spent on the street shooting up methamphetamine i decided to get off the opiates i, I was hooked on opiates for 20 years right here in anderson and uh i lost you know three families you know three sons that i haven't been there for i've been sent to prison i've done 10 years and over you know just from my addiction to opiates and things like that i just i couldn't get right you know it could, and i believe it's because i didn't have the lord in my in my heart in my life and um i've been through so much in the past three two to three years that it's just i can't yeah. deny anymore there's another side yeah. and it's opened my eyes to that yeah wow that's yeah. heavy stuff and yeah. uh, let me ask you both and you're both you know more than welcome to answer one or the other were there times where you didn't care whether tomorrow came or not oh yeah uh, it was terrible i just didn't care about anything myself at the most i didn't care about myself only thing i cared about was getting something to not think about what i was going the through. the next fix or hit that's all i cared or, about yeah brian how did how's that fit for you so I've I've been filled with hope for the last um, six years, and and my passion is to love people and help people, and I'm pretty radical in in, in doing those things. So you know, when I see somebody hurting and struggling, you know, I know from my personal experience where they are. So in Dennis's case, um, Dennis uh, was going to the methadone clinic, and and so he. he he was addicted to, to methadone uh, as well as using methamphetamine and, and common and those other drugs, which really affects our, our thinking and in our mind. But one thing about methadone is once you start going to the clinic and you get above uh, 30 to 50 milligrams, um, you can't find a rehab facility absolutely anywhere that's going to get you in and help you. So it was uh, really difficult for me to see Dennis going through what he was going through because there absolutely was like no doors to help him through treatment wise. So, you know, him sitting here with me right now and getting to go to treatment is nothing more than a miracle because it was almost 30 days ago almost to this day that uh, I tried to take Dennis to rehab and uh, we were going to go do a medical detox and, and Dennis was in, in a vehicle with me at the gas station and told me he was going to go into the restroom and he, he went into the restroom and, and Dennis disappeared uh, out, of, out of my vehicle. Ten minutes later, I'm like, where'd Dennis go? And he left his clothes and everything right there in my car and, and Dennis just vanished. And I deal with those things, and I love Dennis. And it it really wasn't Dennis, you know, that that I'm sitting here right now. It was it was uh, somebody that was hurt, broken, lost, confused, uh, addicted. So it was a, a few days later, and and my coworker had uh, I I had uh, went to work in the morning to do my notes at Marion General Hospital, and uh, she sent me a text message, and it was Dennis's Dennis Wise picture um 
and he had been arrested. And, and under the arrest, it said he had to sit in jail uh, for 30 days. And if people could look up his uh, photo and see, I mean, he, he looks like he was near death. And when I saw that picture, I just thank God that he was arrested. I mean, yeah. I, yeah. I looked at that and I really did. I said, you know, thank you, Lord, because I knew he was getting ready to sit down and go through a real bad detox, but that was the only way that I was going to be able to get him the help that he needed, and and here we are. That's awesome. Uh, Those kind of moments and that kind of friendship that sees you through, and we all need that because we burnt so many bridges, right? Uh, And I heard you talking, and I don't want to hit on a tender spot, but I mean, you've lost a lot of family members, as I heard you say, suicide, overdose, and the complications thereof. I had to to, uh, pull pull the uh, life support plug on my mother the last time I got released from jail because and that was my I'm a single child raised weird that was my best friend and that didn't help at all that, oh, that's, I can't imagine yeah I've been man. through it but you know it, that things happen for a reason yeah. you know yeah. God's got a plan for me and I realize that yeah, now so good. And we'll get was, to that plan yeah, here in definitely. a little bit because we want to hear more about that Brian as I reflect back on our relationship uh I know for a fact that we've lost a lot of mutual friends over the years to overdose death, to drugs, to to alcohol, and the complications therewith. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, one of the most difficult things of recovery is knowing other people that aren't going to make it. I mean, you you look at statistics and overdoses and fatalities. It's it's just crazy, and and I seem to put myself right in the the middle of those things. So my relationship with a better life, Brianna's hope, is when when I was incarcerated, uh, NA and AA came in and kind of showed me, you know, um, about sponsorship, about the twelve steps, and then I kind of you know they did a higher power, and I really believe that my higher power was Jesus Christ. So, you know, I, I kind of went the church route. So I got into uh, Celebrate Recovery. And and when I got into Celebrate Recovery, that's when I was introduced to A Better Life, Brianna's Hope. And this is right when you opened up, you know, your first chapter um, right there. So right when it all started, um, a few months after, I got to start coming to your, your guys' meetings and your meetings like really inspired me that there was more than one way uh, to recover. And, you know, and and the the more meetings and the more relationships and the more healthy relationships, because it's unhealthy relationships ultimately that we stay involved in. And the hardest thing to do is to turn your back on people that you've known forever. So if you're in the addiction world and you're selling drugs or using drugs, the only people that you start hanging out with are like-minded yeah. people. So, you know, you're going to, you, you lose them people. I've lost so many friends. One of my best friends, uh, Bon Funkhauser, that that was three years clean and 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 that that young man was a walking miracle and and I lost uh, Bon and, and it, that really shook me. It really did. And, and just last week, I lost a co-worker um, that had been four years clean and her husband was three and a half years clean and they found uh, both of them uh, dead uh, a week ago. So I'm just coming off of a loss of a team member and and it's just... It's, uh, you know, I'm just numb, you know, and, and, you know, to work in the recovery community and, and I take it so serious and I take relapse so serious because the next time could be your last time because fentanyl, they're putting fentanyl in uh, methamphetamine, they're putting fentanyl in vape pens, they're putting fentanyl in every single thing and you just never know what you're putting into your body. So it's not like, you know... 
the the older days of me smoking pot and drinking beer it's like the younger generation they're sticking a needle in their arm they're they're doing drugs that we don't even know like what is in the drug so it's like the generation that's going on now uh what we're dealing with is true pandemic i understand that fentanyl is like 50 times stronger than heroin. Heroin is like four times stronger than anything else you're going to buy off the shelf. And of course, you know, those dealers and those uh, in the lab, they could care less about a Brian or a Dennis other than in dollar signs. Absolutely. And so that's, that's that effort to get to you. As we, as we reflect back, we've heard a lot of where you've been and the struggles and the losses that went with that. I'd like to challenge both of you to tell us what you think your lights-on moment was, that moment where you decided, I want a better life for me. And uh, just share that for a moment, please. Yes, that definitely was this 30 days, about three days before I got out, I was still going through my withdrawal, which, you know, it takes a good month or two to get off of methadone. And uh, I, I was just laying there going crazy. They couldn't even keep me in a, in a normal uh, cell block with people. I was just so mean and and just didn't care about nothing and freaking out i lose you know i've lost my mind but from the drugs and the detoxing and uh I, they put me in the hole by myself I believe it was part of god's plan you know uh i got in there and i was just still going crazy and just couldn't handle it no more and like mentally i just wanted to just i wanted to just not be here not not be not even exist anymore and i just and all of a sudden man it came out of me I said, spare the rod, spoil the child. You know, the guys, they didn't know where that come from. It's like, what? And it, it, I believe it was God instilled that and put that in my mind to, to realize I had to go through this to get to the good. You know, I had to yes. open my eyes. And that's when, that's when I just all of a sudden I said, Lord, I'm not trying to make deals with you. But take this from me, you know, please take this from me. You're, I'm yours, you know. No matter what, I'm yours. Whether you do or don't, I know you're real. And I know awesome. you're going to take awesome. this from me. And all of a sudden that day, my mind calmed down. And guards told me, uh, you know, hey, just relax, man. They're not even supposed to do this. You, you're, you're leaving tonight for sure. Don't worry about nothing. Just lay down. We're not even changing your laundry out. You, you're, you're, you're good. And, and I just laid there in peace. Awesome. For the first awesome. time in a month, you know what I mean? Oh, in years, really. You know, so. you say, you know what I mean? No, I don't. I can't imagine that futility, that pain, that discomfort, that yeah, battle it felt like in your torture. mind and I felt like I yeah. was tortured yeah, that, I that whole time. Yeah, I respect that totally. And uh, I've, I've, I made it through for a reason. I believe it was a bigger and better life for me and a path that I can help other people eventually I can through and him yeah we'll we'll go to that in a minute kind sure. of that next sure. step kind yeah. of thing Brian that lights on moment for you in your life where it just clicked and you knew so yeah. uh for me um I was I was laying in uh in the drunk tank and incarcerated at Blackford County Jail. And I was overwhelmed with shame, guilt, and condemnation. And I wanted to end my life. So I um, came up with a plan to kill myself uh, while I was in the Blackford County Jail. And I, I thought about diving off of a toilet. I thought about hanging myself you know, how I was going to do that. And I was really scared that uh, those ways wouldn't work. So I uh, thought about, well, I'm just going to starve myself. I'm not going to eat and I'm not going to drink any fluids. And, and I know what that will do to my body. And uh, so nine or 10 days had went by and uh, my my parents had sent someone to come and visit me at the jail. And in, in that visit, they had to physically, like, pick me up and help me walk down the hallway because, you know, I, I had was vomiting and, and diarrhea. Like, I was really sick. I was using, you know, a, a lot of opiates. So my withdrawal was very, very extreme, and, and I wasn't cleaning myself up. So when they led me to this room, here sits a, a gentleman. His name was Henry Long. 
Long. And Henry Long looked at me and he said, Brian, he said, if you died today, where would you go? And man, I'm going to tell you what, I did not tell anyone I was going to kill myself. So for him to ask me those first words about where, where would I go? And, and I really thought about that, you know, I, I believe in heaven and I believed in hell. And I really processed in that moment that, you know, I, I was frightened because I knew I wanted to die. And I knew that, you know, there was no uh, light in my life. I was absolutely hopeless. And he really, you know, ministered to me in, in that room. I gave my life to Christ. I went back to my jail cell and I was covered in rashes and hives, uh, my whole body. And I went inside of, of, uh, and, and took a shower. They allowed me to, to bathe. And, and I remember putting my hands on the wall and, and water coming down on my head. And I said, I said, God, I said, if you're real, because I needed the real deal. I'm facing forever in prison, you know, the rest of my life away from my family. I can't carry this uh, baggage anymore. If you're real, just please take it from me and, and, and be with me. And I said, I'll go anywhere. I'll say anything and I'll do anything and I'll give you all the praise, honor and glory. And it was from that time that miracles started happening in my life almost immediately to where I witness uh, hives and rashes like come off of my body. So I, I, I personally witnessed supernatural things. I had a back disease, anxiety disorder, uh, major depression. I was on disability, and God healed me from all of, all of those ailments. So I, he showed me how real that he was, and I made a covenant and a decision when I was in jail that I was going to pursue him. And in my, you know, in my last six years, that's what my life has looked like. It's been a total pursuit of hope and, and healthiness, and, and I've came to where I'm able to give that to someone else. That's what I was thinking. You say you've been in total pursuit of it personally, but you've shared it just as much as you've sought it. Right. Yeah. At, well, yeah. absolutely. And I've I've been uh, given several platforms uh, to speak speak on, and and I started a ministry called the Hope House in Harford City, and it, it's a recovery ministry where people they come in and enjoy a meal, and uh, we have a worship. Uh, team and then we share a testimony so really it, it was inspired a lot randy by what you were doing with a better life brianna's hope and i really just wanted to start something different christ-centered in blackford county so you have been a true inspiration Super. in my recovery in a better life brianna's hope i've i've been invited to probably at least 20 different chapters and have, have been blessed to share my testimony uh, with several chapters um, um, I've got to share, you know, across the state of Indiana. I've been on the 700 Club, um, a couple uh, TV shows. I've been on podcasts and radios and in a few magazines. And, and it's never been about me. It's always been about the, the one who helped me and, and healed me. And I've never uh, put myself on a platform and thought that I'd have done anything because my choices and decisions always got me in trouble. You, you know, my choices and decisions led me uh, to destruction, led me to sin. So, you know, learning about Christ and and what freedom is, it's it's true humility and really giving him the praise that that he deserves. And and that's what I try to stay focused on, that that he's inside of me. He's speaking through me. And, and when we show up and we kill this thing called the flesh and, and we enter into a spiritual uh, mindset that, you know, miracle signs and wonders follow those who believe. And I believe that thing. And I, I witness that thing. And I testify about those things so other people can hear what I'm saying. And he shows up 100% of the time. Let's just say as you both step out the door, there's someone outside the door that's struggling much like 
you guys have are pretty much in the place you used to be. Obviously, your answer is going to be God. I get that, and indeed it should be. Next to God, what do you tell them? What kind of advice do you give them for their next right step? Well, you take it with God, but what should that step be? So a lot of people don't want to hear about Jesus and God because that's not where they're at. They're exactly. they're in darkness, and I don't and I don't pressure anyone to believe what I'm believing. Yep. I, yep. I'm just trying to love someone so they say what's different about Brian. So someone needs to get into treatment. Residential treatment is what I recommend for absolutely anyone that doesn't have any tools or coping skills. So there's 28-day treatment facilities, and it takes 21 days to form a habit. So they try to get someone in the habit of doing uh, anything healthy and trying to figure out uh, medications. There's mental illness. There, you know, there's a lot of things that people struggle with. So it's really getting someone into a safe environment to where they have therapists and doctors that could look at everyone one individually to see what the needs of the individual uh, that's standing in front of me are. You know, I'm not a therapist and I'm not a doctor, but I know the ones to refer you to. That's the key. Yeah. Based, yeah. Networking. We don't have to know it all. We've just got to know them all. Yeah. And yeah. pass it on. Yeah. You know, it. there's more pride in giving somebody over to someone who can help them than to think it's got to be me. Okay. I can maintain my pride when I help move you forward for your sake instead of trying to move me forward for my sake. Absolutely. So it's about the end there. Same thing to you, Dennis. What yes. would be the advice you'd give this individual outside the door here? Um, absolutely turn to, to, to recovery. You know, at least go to a meeting and give it a chance and meet some people. And, and, and surround yourself in, in recovery and there's somebody going to tell you hey you need rehab <laughs> you know what i mean you, you you could die today you could die in five minutes from now you leave this meeting you do you do what you do and it could kill you you know you never know or you could just drop and have a heart attack and, and you know like you said where are you gonna go you know so so why waste time don't waste time do it now one of the things that uh, struck me about this morning just so you folks our listeners out there know uh, Brian and I had this scheduled to be together. I had no idea Dennis was going to be with him today. So one of you tell us why you're here, Dennis. You do that or Brian. Go ahead, please. Uh, well, uh, now since I got released from prison, I decided, you know, to stick with what my guns were, you know, loaded for to, the, is to get recovered and get in Christ. And uh, I, I got released at midnight and I had nowhere to go. You know, I had places to go, but they were the wrong places. So I I decided to just freeze my butt off all night and wait on the mission to open and get a hold of Brian. And I went and got a, a, a Let a me test. interrupt you yeah. a minute. You said you got released at midnight when? Uh Three days ago, three days ago. Okay, I just want to keep yeah, folks on the I'm same. Really page. fresh in this. I'm a baby in yes. my recovery. Yes. Okay. Okay. But uh, I just I've been I've been through so much and it's been going on so long and I've tried so many times but you know this is I have in my heart that this is it man I'm done trying I'm doing and and uh, and Brian has stuck by me you know and 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 somehow we were back together again and and i'm on my way to rehab as soon as i leave here he was and he didn't you know it just worked worked out that you know he somehow i i came here to do this and i believe it was something just to may strengthen my my, my I, I want you to will. repeat that again. You're headed to rehab when? As soon as I leave here. I'm, I'm going five hours to, to uh, Glidden Woods, and it's a, I hear it's a great place, and I, I'm excited. You know, we're excited for you and yes. excited that, you know, God has brought the two of you together in this way and that he continues to to yeah. reconnect Stick you because we me. understand, as most people do, that— 
sober or clean or clear is not the opposite of addiction, but relationships, yes, community. And you guys have that relationship, and you knew where to turn. And we all need somebody like that in our lives, and we all need to be that somebody in the lives of others. I'm sure along the way you've had your doubters, you've had those naysayers, your challenges, but when your heart and your mind come together in it and Christ leads all of that, then you're ready. I hear the determination of what you're saying. Yeah. We want you to hold that determination. Yeah. And, uh, Me too. you know, yeah. after that, that, that part of your recovery, we all understand recovery is a constant journey. Yes. Yeah. There's no destination in this, correct? Right, yeah. 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 Exactly. Yeah. Well, once you get through this step, we'd like to have you back and, uh, you know, sure. see where you are and see what that next right step's going to be. be awesome. uh, Brian, one of the questions I'd had for you was to share with us what you're doing now. You did that there one time, but is there anything else you'd like the folks out there to know that you can help them with or maybe even how to get in contact? with you or those that you, you know, your office or whatever the labeling should be? Sure. So I've been with the core program, which is the Community Opioid Response Endeavor at uh, in, in Grant County. And there's a website on Facebook uh, that has our number. Um, so I meet with individuals in the hospital, anyone going to the hospital with a substance use disorder issue, we have a team that will meet you right in the emergency room. And what we try to do is, is share with you right there in the ER or critical care or whatever floor of the hospital that there's hope and, and there's uh, treatment. One thing personally, I've in the last three years probably taken nearly 300 people in my car myself uh, to rehab, which, you know, I, I take people all the time, but uh, cutting barriers of people to go, you know, insurance mm. is a big deal. Um, so, you know, helping people get insurance, just putting people in your car and getting them there and then picking them up and, and being a follow up. Um, so I also was the life change director at the Grant County Rescue Mission for a year and a half. So I worked two jobs, um, you know, for, for a long time, really helping people um, that were lost, hurting and broken. So working two jobs and I had a baby um, with with my wife. I had to kind of step away from working two jobs to, to be at home uh, more. So I accepted a position as a supervisor at the Grace House in Grant County, which is a transitional sober living home. So when, when somebody's hurting and struggling and they're physically dependent, they need detox to be separated from their drug of choice so they're not going to be sick out there running around getting what they to make themselves feel better. We send them to residential treatment, which is, you know, nearly a 30-day treatment program that gives them time to be separated and have their body and mind heal up a little bit. They come back after that, and they want to follow up with uh, IOP or um, other, you know, therapy, individual, whatever that looks like. But sober living is a big deal because if we're sending people to treatment and then we're putting them back in the same environment, we know that that just doesn't work because you can't get healthy in, in an environment that you are just sick in. So you need a healthy environment. You need to surround yourself with something totally foreign and different, and that's where sober living or transitional housing comes into play and it gives uh, people ability to be held accountable so I work in the problem solving courts as well so I've been to the last three national drug court conferences and I also work in reentry court with men who get out of prison. So I get to mentor people, and and I've been really good at networking. And like Randy said, you know, not me helping, but finding the help for that individual because, you know, I, I'm a— 
pretty busy person and, and I deal with a whole lot of people and and it's very time consuming and it can be overwhelming if I'm really not networking, you know, the the way that I I should be networking. So, you know, getting someone where they need, that's where we fall short. We fall short in housing. We sh- we shall fall short in where somebody's going to go. You know, we we can do detox, we can do treatment, we can do sober living, but the need that is the number one need anywhere is someone needs a safe place to stay and the safe places to stay just aren't out there so there's only 11 beds where i'm at and there's a waiting list of so many people the hope house is transitional housing in grant county they have them for men and women so i've seen tremendous strides uh in in the county that i'm in but we need this in absolutely every single county because the you know the need far far exceeds you know what is there so we're we're getting there and we're making progress but it's very slow progress for you know for the need and I'm somebody I don't like to talk about communities or counties because I look at myself and I say what can I do I can talk about what's wrong and and I can talk about you know what's right but if I'm not trying to help in being a solution and coming up with solutions for other people. You know, I can become a part of the problem by just trying to talk about who's doing good and and who's not doing good. So for me, I try to focus on what's in front of me. I can be a solution. I can can be that change in a a community to to help just talk about stigma and, you know, what's going on. And we're not those people. And, And I think more and more people are seeing addiction you know, it, it's in doctors, lawyers. It, it does, yeah, it doesn't discriminate, and it's it's not a culture, cultural, you know, disease or or you know whatever we want to label it as. But when when we don't have uh, the housing to meet the needs, it's really you're just a hamster on a wheel. That you know, that housing's going to be that final piece. We've seen uh, recovery opportunities open up multi places and those opportunities have grown but the housing I just had someone here on an earlier episode that was their key for the future was the idea with it so here's what I'd like to do I'm going to give both of you the opportunity here to share one more thing you'd like to share and then our engineer Eric has some questions for us that he's going to give us and together we'll do our best to come up with an answer so just kind of give us a close statement of a sort, and then we'll go to Eric and have him give us those questions. You know, if you don't uh, want to, you know, go to a hospital or something, like I said, just go to a meeting. Well, the the rule is there, and they abide by it. The newcomer is the most important person, you know, and they're going to lead you in the right direction. You find somebody that's got a lot of sobriety in there and speak with them. And they I'm sure they got numbers to call, play people to talk to like Brian. It's it's all there. There's an opportunity no matter what. You know, you don't you, there's 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 two. There's a few different ways to find help. Just ask for it. And I know. God will bless you with it. Thank you. That's about it. Thank you, Dennis. Brian. And my closing thing is people, places, and things. If you (laughs) cannot change people, places, and things in your life, it will not work, I promise. That's that's key. That's as basic as it gets and as complicated as it can be for sure. Thank you both. I'll have one more for you here when we get ready to finalize this. But Eric, would you uh, give us those questions you said you've received from some of our listeners? Hey, guys. Um, This is for uh, uh, Brian and Dennis. If you could write a letter to yourself back when you were a little kid, what would it say? Or if you have children and you could sit down and write a letter and hand it to them, what, what would it say? And um, Brian, I had another question for someone that had been in recovery longer. How long is it taking you to heal some of the relationships in your life from back when you were using and, you know, all the things that come with it? Um, to the to the second part of the question of, of the healing of the relationships, uh, my father came to me two years 
when I was sober and he came up to me and he said, son, I finally don't have to worry about you anymore. I don't have to worry about that phone call in the middle of the night. I don't have to worry about where you're at or what you're doing. And we're talking two years into going to meetings every day and, and being plugged in. So, you know, I had a thing called sorryitis, and and I was always sorry, <laughs> you know, but there was never any action behind what I was speaking. So so I think somebody that's in recovery and they really show by their actions greater than their words, you know, actions speak a lot louder than, than what we're speaking. So I had to really prove myself through my actions to every single person around me before, you know, people started seeing there's something different about Brian today. He's not he's not the same person that he used to be because it's in his morals and his integrity. And that doesn't happen overnight. That's a long journey because there's eyeballs looking at us. There's still eyeballs looking at me, probably wondering, you know, if I'm going to fail, if, you know, what what's what's this, you know, really going to look like so you just have to be patient and really not worry about uh, a bridge a bridge being restored or a late relationship being stored because you need to focus on yourself you need to focus on your recovery and why you're there because we can make a whole lot of excuses uh, not to move forward in relationships and not being restored fast enough I see as one of the biggest you know barriers of somebody you know, grabbing a hold of that freedom. So it's just, you know, if I tell anyone, stay in your lane, you know, your lane is your lane. You can't focus on everything else because you're going to lose out on what the problem is. And the problem's you. It's not all those relationships and everything else. I had to look in the mirror and say, Brian, you're the problem. You're the one that did all this. And, and forgiveness, forgiveness is hard. You know, I could forgive other people, but I couldn't forgive myself for not being a parent. I couldn't forgive myself for, you know, not being a son to my family. So I really had to look at myself in, in Jekyll and Hyde and say the guy on drugs, you, you know, he, he's basically, you know, what he is. And, and But the guy that's not on drugs is really a good person. The guy not on drugs is kind, caring, and compassionate and full of love. So when I got to the point to where, hey, I can forgive the person that's not on drugs, and I'm not the person on drugs anymore. So when I just put that guy to death and I was promised a new life. So when I was promised a new life, that's what I was going after. So in, in a new life life, sometimes we have to let go of relationships and, and those things around us, but it happens uh, through forgiveness and learning to love yourself, and that's another full episode. <laughs> For certain. Brian, go back to that other question as well. What's that letter you'd write to your young self or to your child today? So, my son wrote me a letter, Dad, please stop using drugs, and, you know, I tried everything, and if I was going to uh, write a letter my, to myself, it would be don't change a thing. Honestly, don't don't change a thing because everything that I've been through has made me the person that I am. And it has given me the ability to talk to people in a way that I would never be able to relate to someone else. Sure, I wouldn't have wanted to put uh, people through the things that I've been through, but God really uses all bad for his good. And if it wasn't for the bad that I did in my life, I wouldn't be where I'm at today. So. So it would be just uh, keep your eyes on Jesus because he's always been there. Amen. Okay. Dennis, that same question, that yeah. letter as Eric Yes, uh, it's definitely something deep. Uh, I, uh, I had an absentee father my whole life. He chose alcohol and homelessness and things like that over the life he could live with. A family, you know, but, you know, that happens and, and, and there's a reason for it. Like he said, God has a plan for all of us, I believe. And uh, and definitely I would say to my son, just be still and know God, know that I am God. You know, he's he's the way. And I, I just I got letters in prison from my father 
that I've never heard from. And all he had to say was find God. And, and he is so powerful. He's brought me out of this. I believe this is it. I've got trying's out of my vocabulary. I'm doing just, just do it. I like you that. Know? Yeah. Yeah. Move from and, trying to doing. Yeah. Take that out of your vocabulary. Cause that, that leaves room for failure. You yeah. know, yeah. don't, don't do it. Don't fail man. just do it. Just, well, you know. we just hope and pray the best for you uh, with this next step and those yeah. steps thereafter. I thank you both for your time here yeah. with us today on Faith in Your Recovery, your openness. Yeah. God bless. Thanks. Thank God you. bless thank you. you. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you both. Yeah, so much. All right. Uh, were there any other questions, Eric? Was that it? Or? Yeah, that was the only questions I had. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you for bringing those to us. And if other folks have them, make sure you get them uh, to us here. Let me just give you a little reminder and a word of appreciation to you of how much uh, it means to us when you tune in. And just know you can find our show on Spotify, Apple Podcast, SoundCloud, and Google Podcast. And if we're worth your time and we've challenged your head and heart, please, we'd ask that you leave us five-star rating, click like, download, and subscribe. Your support will help us move forward in a way that will allow us to touch change and save even more lives. If you're interested in finding out more about A Better Life, Brianna's Hope, check our website at ab. LBH.org. We'd welcome the opportunity to share with you and communicate and see about the possibilities of one of our chapters in your community. Guys, so you know, today, November 5, begins our eighth year as a chapter. Awesome. So it's about, you know, it's right along with your date of sobriety, real close, and those accomplishments. That's been neat. That website has the, the information you'll need. On our next episode, our guest is going to be Eric Maitland. Eric has a heart and a song for the recovery movement. His approach is, is as unique as any you're going to find, but as powerful as any you're going to meet. He employs different medias to get his message across. We've had the privilege and the opportunity to, you know, share multiple times together. So uh, before I sign off here, was there anything else there, Eric? Uh, what email address do you want people to submit questions to? Uh, I think it would probably be best if you would use ours at A Better Life. Brianna's Hope, and that email address is ablbh.org. So uh, get those to us, and we will welcome those, and we'll address those in the future episodes. So don't give up on yourself. Don't give in to the urge. Your answer, your healing, your recovery may be just around the next corner or possibly even in our next episode. Have faith in your recovery by having faith in yourself, your journey, and above all, God. Believe and keep fighting the battle.